What is up, ambitious listeners? So before I dive into today's phenomenal interview, I want to give a little bit of background knowledge about it. So about a year ago, I reached out to Jacob Casper to do a Q&A for the former site I used to work at. It was a great Q&A, it went awesome, and he's a great person. Over the past year, things have changed. He got an assistant coaching job at Duke. I launched my own podcast. He just announced recently that he's going to be working throughout the next year and chasing for the 2020 Olympics, which is absolutely huge, and then likely rolling into a deal with WWE, as you will hear about throughout this amazing interview. And in my life, obviously, I am doing this podcast, so we decided after, you know, a year of not having pretty much any communication, we would fire back up again, have an amazing interview, and kind of fill my new audience in on who this man is, if you don't already know of him and his life story. He's a phenomenal person. This was an amazing experience and an amazing interview, and I can't wait for you guys to hear it after a quick break from our sponsors. Yo, what is up? Welcome to Ambitious. My name is Dylan Price. Today's guest is a two-time All-American heavyweight wrestler. He holds the Duke University record for single-season wins. He is one of the most prolific young wrestlers in the world. On the heels of announcing some huge news, today's guest is Jacob Casper. Jacob, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm, you know, really excited to be on, and thanks for the opportunity. Well, thank you so much for coming on and kind of fill my audience and even myself a little more uh, in on the huge announcement you just came out with recently. Yeah, um, you know, there was a lot of speculation on what I was going to do next in terms of continuing to coach uh, just collegiate wrestling, whether I was going to transition into MMA, whether I was going to transition into professional wrestling through the WWE. Um, But I ultimately decided that, you know, 2020 is just around the corner. I still think I have more gas in the tank, and uh, I want to continue to compete. So I'm going to give it one more run, uh, wrestle freestyle at 97 kilograms, and, uh, you know, leave all my uh, cards out on the table, I guess, and find out how good I really could be this upcoming year. And then after that, I'll make the decision on what I'm going to transition to. So what kind of sparked this decision? You know, I think a lot of people were super surprised. Uh, The WWE and I had been in uh, very, very productive talks, and I thought that it was really going somewhere, and, you know, we were finalizing the last couple things, and as I just sat down and started thinking about it, it was just, man, you know, 2020's closed. I kind of missed waking up every morning, you know, training hard, beating my body up, and just feeling like I was working to make my parents proud um, through the sport of wrestling, which we spent so much time doing as young kids and growing up and going uh, to practices together and spending the weekends together. And my brother's got another year to compete. So it just everything kind of made sense. You know, I pulled a, you know, a U-turn last second, came back to it, and I've transitioned to training full-time again. I'm going to take a little bit of a step back in my coaching role. I was fully involved in that this past year. Um, but this year, training is going to come first, and coaching will kind of be secondary. So I do want to ask you a little bit about that. How did the assistant coaching thing come about for this past season? Yeah, I mean, it went well. Um, it was it was a new gig, I mean, obviously, but it presented a lot of challenges. Um, I was fortunate to have teammates that respected me. Um, so when I transitioned on to coaching staff, they just – followed and went along with what I said and then you know I think that's a testament to them but also a testament to 
the respect they had given me as a competitor, um, what I was telling them to do, I would never ask them to do something that I hadn't done. And, you know, they saw the lifestyle that I lived when I was a competitor on the team. Um, so it was easy to respect what I was saying because, every, like I said, everything that I had told them to do was something that I did. Um, and I often told them, hey, if I'm telling you to do something that I didn't do, it's because I wished I would have done it differently. And, you know, I love those guys like they're my own brothers. Um, and, I, you know, I keep telling them right now they're working hard, man. They really are. They're grinding. And I keep telling them if you believe in yourself even a little bit as much as I believe in you, you're going to be really, really successful. So Duke Wrestling will have a lot, a lot of success these upcoming years. Uh, by far the most successful years um, in Duke's history are coming up very shortly. Well, it's always great for you to kind of teach them because you had such a storied history for a college career, and it's always good to kind of pass that down and, you know, build them up for the future, and now you can kind of step back while you do your thing and kind of see what comes next for them, and they have a very, very bright future coming up with that. No doubt. Yeah, you know, I, I was a guy that not only found some success in the sport, but found some success after a lot of failures and there have been a lot of guys that you know have done a lot more than I have in the sport and there's no denying that but there are very few people that have had to turn around at every level that I had um you know in junior high I didn't have a super successful seventh grade year eighth grade I was much more successful freshman year of high school I was 10 and 13 on JV uh second year I was 30 and 20 on varsity fourth or third year my junior year I was uh, fourth in the state and my senior year I was uh, third in state was projected to win it college losing record my freshman year second year uh, like 24 and 12 I was an NCAA qualifier third year I uh, took off with an Olympic shirt to wrestle in the Olympic trials fourth year I ended up uh, sixth in the country and then my senior year I ended up fourth so I've been close um, on every level and I've you know, made a lot of progress um, from being not successful to successful. So, you know, if there's one thing I feel confident in, it's I can make someone better. You know, whether they're an elite wrestler already, I can take them up another notch. And I think that's what Nick Wazowski values in me as a training partner, as well as Daniel Cormier and um, a lot of other people that I've worked with. And I feel that if they're a bad wrestler, I can get them to the place where they're a good wrestler. And, you know, I, I put a lot of time in to perfecting myself and finding ways that I've improved myself. And then I just applied it you know, to my guys, and you saw a lot of progress this past season. You know, Matt Feinsilver, Caden Russell, Zach Feinsilver, Mitch Feinsilver, Josh Feinsilver, Alex Shank. Those guys had big, big seasons, big turnarounds. And, you know, Matt is now on the world team for Greco. And Matt, um, you know, like I, like I said, he won U23s. And then Caden was a double All-American, Duke's first ever at um, U23s as well. So we've seen a lot of progress, and I'm excited because these upper weights, have transitioned from where, you know, they're my athletes that I'm just coaching to the point where they're good enough now that they can actually be training partners for me. And they're going to be tools that I'm going to rely on this next year while I'm getting back into competing. Uh, they're actually, Caden and Matt specifically, so I'm talking about, they're redshirting. So they're going to be able to take a step back and the focus is going to go back on me and they're going to be able to help me. So they're going to get to kind of reevaluate and see what it takes to compete at the very highest level of the sport and then make those transitions and changes to their own game headed back to college is just kind of a step down. Well, just kind of listening to you talk about all of this and all that was amazing. You have so much, you know, knowledge and love for the sport. And not only do you love trying to kind of push yourself and get yourself to a higher level you're also trying to push everyone else around you and that is absolutely incredible and shows a lot of amazing character on your end i must say 
I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I mean, I love wrestling. Um, the way that I grew up was, uh, you know, a wrestling family. We were a wrestling group, and everybody that we ever gained something from in the sport, you know, they were the kind of people that told you you did it out of the goodness of your heart. You don't do it to get something out of it. Um, the clubs that I grew up wrestling for, they were, you know, always $50 or less, the Spielmans, um, you know, the people that really ran these things, the Tyrells, they always kept costs really affordable so that any and everybody could do it. So anytime somebody reaches out, I'm more than willing to respond and help in any way that I can. Um, so long as I can see that they're serious about it. If you, you know that you ask me a couple times and you end up burning me on it and don't do anything with it, I'm not going to keep helping you. But, you know, I have guys trickle in, stay at my house, train with me from time to time. Um, you know, there's almost always somebody here, and, you know, people have done the same for me, so I'll continue to do the same for other people to keep paying it forward. I mean, that's, that's what life's all about, you know, making a difference in other people's lives. That was very, very well said. So I do want to shift gears a little bit to WWE. You mentioned it a little bit before. What kind of process was the tryout like and, you know, the whole process of almost ending up with the company, and can you kind of go into that a little bit? Yeah, um... You know, I, I first started getting recruited I, in 2016 after I had just missed the Olympics. I was following along on Twitter, and I saw where Jerry Briscoe um, had tweeted that he was at the Olympic Games recruiting for the WWE. And um, I obviously knew who Jerry Briscoe was, a lifelong fan of uh, not only amateur wrestling but pro wrestling. And I tweeted at him, you know, he's got 35,000 followers or whatever it is. So I didn't think there was any way it was going to get seen. And I just said, you know, you're looking in the wrong direction. I'm bigger, faster, stronger, better looking, and all these adjectives than anyone that you're going to find there. Um, He got a real kick out of that and actually ended up following me and DMing me, hey, if that's the case, then, you know, you need to come down for a tryout. And I said, okay, sounds good. Just follow follow me this season. And when my career is done, I will. And um, our relationship grew from there. He flew in to watch me compete quite a few times and, Every time he was in the building, I had an exciting match and found a way to win. He came to uh, came to our duel against App State my junior year, and I beat Denzel Dejernet in the last closing seconds. He's now at NXT um, under the real uh, Denzel, I believe. And then um, he came to Southern Scuffle my, my junior year, which I won. I beat three top ten opponents. It was kind of my coming out party, um, na- um, kind of announcing myself on a national scene. Then he came my senior year also to Southern Scuffle, where I won again. And then he came to my senior night duel my senior year. And it came down to me, the duel, and I, I won it for the team. So had a lot of great memories with Mr. Briscoe in the stands. And we've formed kind of a lifelong relationship. We talk every time we're at an event together. And I'm definitely grateful to have had him as a mentor and as a connection in the business. And he's the one that kind of facilitated everything. He got me down there and in the process also got my older brother. I was actually training with Daniel Cormier at the time in San Jose, California, so I had to fly all the way across the country, and there was a bunch of uh, problems with my travel, but I ended up showing up at about 4 in the morning, got a couple hours of sleep, and then had to cut a promo at about 6.30 in the morning the next day and start the tryout. You know, the tryout was at the Performance Center down in Orlando. It was uh, physically demanding, you know, a lot of body weight stuff. We had a, a high number of people that came into the tryout with us and you know a lot of casualties during it a lot of people quit a lot of people said they were hurt so they didn't have to continue and um you know it it was a grind they wanted to see how bad you wanted it and when it when things get tough like that i don't think there's anyone better so as the days rolled on as the tryout got harder 
I think I got to start to sort of separate myself from everyone else. This is what I had trained for, and I kept telling myself, um, you know, if there was a, a million dollars, if there was an opportunity to impact lives, if there was an opportunity to, to grant Make-A-Wish Foundation wishes at the end of this tryout, how hard would you push to be the best guy here? How hard would you push to be the best person here? And um, from everything we did, when we warmed up with stretching, when we cooled down with stretching, from the body weight push-ups, from, you know, the stand-ups, the sit-ups, the squats, um, the, the taking bumps, the learning how to run the ropes, uh, you know, how, learning how to tumble uh, properly um, in professional wrestling, um, from cutting promos later on, from the conditioning drills, I was going to give 110% everything I had so that I could make a lifelong dream come true um, and get that opportunity to potentially work for the company. And that's what, you know, that was my mindset. Like I said, I knew that that was possibly an opportunity to make a childhood dream come true, to change the lives of, you know, myself and my, my future family as well as my already established family be able to provide for them and provide a better means of life than I had growing up, but it also, you know, provides the opportunity to make, to grant Make-A-Wish Foundation wishes, to do a lot of charitable events, to earn money that I can give to causes like, um, you know, young kids with, you know, disabilities or inner city kids that aren't afforded opportunities uh, to make their lives better. I'm going to be able to, to open those doors through the WWE, so I wanted to give everything I had at that tryout, and I can say, you know, on day three, when it was all said and done, I think I kind of stood, you know, head and shoulders above everyone else because I had that mindset, and that really helped carry me through. Well, thank you very much for going in depth with all that and um, I telling us about the process and everything you went through. So when it came down to, you know, figuring out the details and the contract, obviously you can't get into it too much, but what ultimately kind of did shift you back to the freestyle wrestling and doing kind of your own thing with it? It was just really the opportunity, the, the idea that, you know, 2020 was next year. Uh, like I had told um, Mr. Fair, who I was in contact to contact with in the company, you know, if this was 2018, this was 2017, 2000, you know, whatever it may be, another year where an Olympic year isn't right around the corner, I, I'm done. I'm signing and I'm making sure um, you know, I'm taking this WWE opportunity and I'm running with it. Um, but with it being so close and me feeling like I had jumped levels as a coach, it had, um, you know, it had really helped me reevaluate my technique and clean a lot of things up. I think that I'm a better wrestler now, even though I maybe wasn't as in as good a physical shape, where that'll come quickly. So I made those adjustments kind of sat back, looked at my decision, and as the time was coming, I'm like, man, I don't want to look back and be like, what would have happened if I wrestled in 2020? Could I have been an Olympic champ like Kurt Angle? Could I have done this? Could I have done that? So I, uh, you know, I just ultimately made the decision that I had to pursue it, had to find out the answers to those what-ifs, and um, that's kind of why I made that decision. I also, I will say, talked to the WWE in depth beforehand and uh, confirmed with them that if I do decide to pursue this that the opportunity will still be there and that we can still have a productive conversation moving forward afterwards because ultimately like i said that that was my childhood dream first to be a wwe superstar um but i also had the childhood dream of being an olympic champion and you know like i told mr fair i said i don't think they're mutually exclusive i think i can achieve both things and i think it'll be good publicity for the company i think it'll be good publicity for myself and i think ultimately it'll make me a better professional wrestler having answered these questions even if i don't end up achieving my dream of being an olympic champion 
Well, one thing I didn't even think to touch on is, yeah, the Olympics are coming up very quickly, and how real do you think the possibility is that you could walk out of the Olympics as a champion? I wouldn't have come back to wrestling if I didn't wholeheartedly expect to do so. You know, I've always set the bar very high for myself. Um, the way that I work, the way that I try to critique and perfect every aspect of my life to be a champion um, aligns with shooting for the highest things in the sport. So the way that I eat, the way that I sleep, the way that I hydrate, the way that I recover, the rest, and uh, most importantly, the way that I train supports being an Olympic champion. Um, if I thought there was, you know, high probability or even a high chance that I wasn't going to leave with an Olympic gold medal, um, I wouldn't have come back. And I, I don't think you can kind of be halfway in or halfway confident. You know, you're either all in or all out. You know, at the end of the day, I've put, I've put the chips on myself my entire life and the gambles have paid off and I'm going to continue to do so because I know how much I'm willing to give. I know how hard I'm willing to work and I know how much I'm willing to sacrifice. So I expect wholeheartedly to be leaving Tokyo in 2020 with an Olympic gold medal. Uh, maybe a bigger check coming from the WWE, and then I'll take over the pro wrestling game after that. And then, you know, MMA and the UFC better watch out because I might go over there and steal some of their belts too when I'm done with that. It sounds like you're cutting a promo right now. I cannot wait to see this. I cannot wait to see you make the chase of the Olympics next year, and I can't wait to see you with WWE and possibly even MMA or UFC. But you did make a little bit of a... Uh, kind of pushing the chips in reference and I don't know if I know you're a big pro wrestling fan did you happen to catch any of Double or Nothing or All Elite Wrestling's new product they're kind of launching so far I haven't really gotten a chance to, to check it out you know I, I recently um, not recently but when uh, WWE Network became a thing I, I became a subscriber to that and that's got all the wrestling you know that I can absorb right now along with my training schedule and travel schedule so I'm just full-time on that right now. Um, you know, I think AEW's got some really, really cool go things going on. I think ROH, I think a lot of, you know, the indie circuit and other circuits and promotions have a lot of really great things to offer. Um, I think it's going to be an incredibly productive time in professional wrestling. I think it's going to push the WWE to improvise and to change and to reevaluate, which is always a good thing. You know, like I said, I'm big on that when it comes to my own wrestling, when it comes to, you know, the way that I live my life. And I think it'll be great for the business and the industry as a whole. Um, so I'm really, really excited to see what comes of that. But at the end of the day, you know, I grew up watching the WWE and a little bit of WCW, but my, my dream was always to be a WWE, WWF at the time champion. Um, and there's no doubt about that. So, you know, although these companies are emerging and it's super exciting and I'm really, really pumped and, you know, I'm really glad that these things are happening, I don't think that's going to change the goal. You know, the change, the goal's always been to be the WWE champion, um, you know, unify the belts and become the greatest ever. You know, people talk about the Mount Rushmore as a sports all the time. I want to be the guy that they, you know, they're like, well, he's number one spot and there's no argument that to that, you know. People right now might say Cena, might say Ric Flair, might see. Hogan might see, you know, Stone Cold, The Rock, Undertaker. But when I want to be said and done with it, you know, I want everybody to be like, well, yeah, Jacob Casper is number one, but then who can we put after that? And there just be no doubt about it. That's, you know, that's my goal. I want to impact lives, change lives. I want to crush the Raw is War attitude era, um, you know, pay-per-view and not necessarily pay-per-view, but more so uh, viewership numbers. I want to crush the physical records that have been in the company, and I want to go down as the best to ever do it. Like I said, you know, my lifestyle, my goals, the way I train, the way I live every aspect of my life, it supports shooting for the very top of everything you do. And I think if you're 
shooting for anything else, you're going to sell yourself sh short and cut corners in your training. So that's my goals. I want to be the best to ever do it. Um, I hope when, I, when I'm all said and done, people say that's a guy that maybe wasn't the most talented, but he outworked everybody. And at the end of the day, he's the greatest to ever do it. Well, you obviously are a very good athletic performer and everything, but you're also a very good, just from even listening to you right now, like kind of promo talker and a captivating speaker, which is one thing that I think can translate well to, you know, WWE and everything. But one question I do have for you before we dive more into the other part of the wrestling side of things is obviously, you know, when you go to an NXT kind of product where presumably would be your first step if you did eventually sign with WWE, which seems to be expected, um, they do kind of give you a lot more creative freedom, but when you get up to the bigger shows like Raw or SmackDown, one of the biggest things that often kind of hurts a character is not having the creative freedom to kind of do their own thing and then having to kind of conform to the, I hate to say it, like taking a shot almost, but like the McMahon kind of way of where a lot of characters end up in a lull because of that and their NXT kind of heat dies off. Is there any part of you that would be reluctant to have that, like go to WWE and risk that happening to your career because of how um, prevalent it's been with the past couple superstars that have come and gone with the company? That's a good question, um, you know, and it's something that you go back and forth on and you think and, you know, you, you kind of listen to both angel and devil on your shoulders. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I feel I've been successful because I've been passionate in everything that I've done. I feel that, um, you know, I've always stuck to my morals and what I believe is right from wrong. Um, and that's something that I'm unwilling to compromise on. And I believe that if I continue to do things with, an extraordinary passion um, people can see the realness they can see the truth and they're going to be able to see that in the way that i perform the way that i um, carry myself that my actions in and out of the, the squared circle um and those are the types of things that'll break through and that'll carry through maybe a storyline isn't always 100 percent when you make the main roster you know the creative freedom in nxt is great um but at the end of the day as long as it's not something that's going against my morals or you know, what I know is right from wrong. I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it wholeheartedly, just like um, I've always done in my amateur wrestling career when my coaches advised me to do something, even if I wasn't 100% sure on it. Um, as long as it didn't compromise my morals or my beliefs, I was willing to go, you know, 100% in on it and, um, you know, kind of dive all the way because ultimately, you know, they're the people that want what's best for me, and I believe the same thing, you know, with the WWE. I believe they see what I can bring, um, not only as a performer but as a person, and the kind of lives I can shape and change. Um, so they're going to want what's best for me. And I'll, I believe in, you know, what they've done and what they've stood for. Um, their values align in large part with mine. And because of that, I don't have too much worry about the creative, um, you know, restriction maybe of being on the main roster. I think they're going to see who I am and what I stand for and realize it aligns with them like I realize they align with me. And I think they're going to push me to be myself. And that, that's what ultimately I want. I don't want to go under an alias. You know, I don't want to have to do certain things. Um, at the end of the day, I want to be Jacob Casper, and I want to be who I am and what I stand for and what I've become and built myself into because I've worked damn hard at it. And uh, ultimately, I think it's a product that, you know, it's polarizing. I think some people don't like who I am and what I stand for because I speak my mind and I stand up for what I believe is right and wrong. And I think some people fall in love with it. And, you know, that's the name of the game in the industry. 
Um, I'm a polarizing figure. I always have been and I always will be. And so, you know, I hope, my hope would be that they allow me to be myself. But if that's not the case, you know, I'm going I'm to do it to the best of my ability, whatever they advise me to do, because at the end of the day, I think the, the picture bigger than, you know, professional wrestling is that our values align and we want to help people and create opportunities and, you know, do a lot of the charitable um, and philanthropic things that, you know, are very, very near and dear to my heart. Well, that's obviously a great goal and a phenomenal answer to that question. And my next kind of topic, I guess, for you is who is your, I guess, idol that you sort of want to resemble your career, whether it be in the square circle, on the mat, anything towards, like, is it a Kurt Angle, a Brock Lesnar, that kind of guy, or is it a uh, professional um, grappling wrestler or a UFC fighter, et cetera? Um, growing up, you know, I think you have a lot of role models and a lot of people you look up to. Um, but I remember, you know, around the time that I went into high school, I realized everybody has their flaws and everybody has, you know, shortcomings and things that they wish they could have done differently and they would go back and change if they could. And at that point is when I kind of uh, made the conscious decision to quit having role models. Instead, you know, I said, I'm going to focus on myself. I'm going to be the very best version of myself. And um, that way, at the end of the day, when somebody needs a role model or somebody wants somebody to look up to, their parents are going to be able to say, hey, do exactly what Jacob Casper does. Do exactly what he does, and you'll be successful. And for the most part of my life, you know, with the exception of maybe one or two decisions um, altogether, I can say that I've lived my life that way. And I'll continue to do so. That's not to say there aren't traits and characteristics and qualities and things that certain people do and don't do that I value and that I cherish and try to emulate because that's not true. You know, I, I do do those things. But ultimately, you know, I, I want to be Jacob Casper. Like I said, you know, I've always stayed true to who I am. I'm going to continue to. Um, as far as looking for inspiration for people, I really like to look, you know, the way that uh, Daniel Cormier takes care of his people. I respect that. You know, the way that Cain Velasquez walks into a room and he's quiet, um, but people listen up whenever he has anything to say. You know, the confidence of someone like Luke Rockhold, you know, the, the charity work of someone like John Cena, um, the passion for performing and perfecting their craft, sort of like a Sting or a Shawn Michaels, um, you know, the, the intimidation sort of a Brock Lesnar, um, the entertainment value of The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin. You know, those are people that I, I can learn, you know, a lot from. Um, one of my big things when I'm teaching camps and clinics is that you can learn something from everybody, whether I'm teaching... Uh, Jordan Burroughs, who's, you know, a five-time going for six-time world and Olympic champion, I'm going to be able to learn from him, or whether I'm teaching a three-year-old on his first day because it's going to allow me to self-evaluate and make corrections to my own game. I'll be able to learn either way. So there's every single person that's ever been in the industry or even watched or not even involved, I'm sure that I can take something from. Um, some of the names that I mentioned, you know, are some of my personal favorites. But like I said, I'm going to have an open mind. I'm going to learn from everybody. I'm going to continue to grow and evolve until I'm ultimately, you know, the very best version of myself, and that's what I'm going to measure myself against. Well, once again, great answer to that question. So you mentioned a couple of uh, UFC guys being Daniel Cormier, Cain Velasquez, uh, Brock Lesnar, a couple guys that you brought up. What um, specifically in UFC or MMA excites you? Like what would be your goal in that company? Um, you know, I, like I said, I've always been a competitor. 
I remember um, vividly my senior year of college, we were flying to a, uh, a duel against University of Northern Colorado, and we were on a flight into Denver's airport. We were crossing the Rockies, and, you know, you, you had this beautiful view, um, you know, of the USA kind of far and wide there, and you got to see all the landscape and everything underneath you from 30,000 feet above, and just seeing how massively large it was. And I just remember thinking, um, you know, I can impact so many lives that are down there, but with the way that I work and some of the God-given abilities that I have, um, and, you know, some of the things that I've been blessed with in my life, I could do those things and be able to say that I'm the baddest dude to ever walk this planet, that nobody wanted to get inside a cage with me and nobody would be able to go into a room with me and come out alive like if it came down to it. And there's just something appealing about that, um, you know, something that I want to do to prove to myself, sort of like this Olympic journey that I'm going to go on here soon. Um, you know, nobody's ever won the Olympics, uh, won in a UFC title, and been a WWE top performer. Um, the platform that that would generate and the opportunities to give back and change people's lives that that would, you know, produce would be second to none. It would be extraordinary, and the impact that I could have in so many people's lives would be great. So partly, you know, the answer is selfish. I want to answer the questions for myself, but also partly, the, you know, the answer is for others. You know, I want to be able to have the platform from being a UFC champion, from being a WWE champion, from being an Olympic champion to impact and change lives. So one thing you've said, although you've mentioned like the titles and winning and trying to be a champion and everything you do, but you've also been very adamant about being giving back to others, being a sparkling like image for everyone else to look up to. What kind of inspired that ideal and that mindset of wanting to be the best person you can be for others as well? Like I said, you know, I, I just think a role model after role model kept letting me down. Um, it was disappointing to see people with these big character flaws that didn't live the way that they said they lived and didn't do the things they said they did. Um, so I think I just made a conscious decision like, well, if I can't look to anyone else, then I'm going to be that guy for other people to look to. And I've tried to stay true to that. I've tried to, you know, live the live the lifestyle that I preach. And that's why I think when guys come in to train, they're pushed to be better around me and they push me to be better because they're going to, you know, do the exact same thing. When you get a group of people with a similar mindset, you know, they're able to work together to become unstoppable. And I'm surrounding myself with the very best people that I have um, to push me to be the very best version of myself. And I think I can be, you know, somebody that, you know, other people can look to for inspiration that they shouldn't give up just because they have a losing record their freshman year or can't make the varsity lineup or, you know, maybe they didn't start out blessed with all the abilities or gifts, but, you know, hard work and never quitting and, being tough, it, it pays off in the long term, and uh, at the end of the day, you can be a really, really good person regardless of the circumstances you're, you're born into. Now, one um, one thing that's become very, I don't know if it's been more obvious throughout, like, I'm a UFC fan as well, watching UFC matches is they're very good grapplers, which there's no doubt in my mind you would be a phenomenal grappler and be great at takedowns and everything. But is there's also the aspect of being able to throw punches and how familiar are you with almost like the boxing side of um, the UFC world? My striking is not great right now. Um, you know that's definitely somewhere that I would need to improve on before I'd be able to make the jump to the highest level of the sport. Um, but you know I, I kind of like like what Kamara uh, Usman, even though I'm more of a Ben Askren fan um, at that weight, I like what he had to say. You know. Um, he might not be the best striker, 
he might not be the best wrestler. He might not be the best jujitsu artist or kickboxer or sambo or whatever it may be. But when it comes to mixing it all together and making an actual fight, you know, he's the one that's the world champ right now. And I feel like I could do something similar, you know. Um, like I was telling Ashton Eiler, who's with me training right now, Max Roshkoff's little brother, um, all I got to do is be able to out-wrestle anyone that can out-strike me and out-strike anyone that can out-wrestle me. And um, if I can do those things, you know, I think at the end of the day, I can be a world champion. So um, uh, that's not to say I'm not actively working on improving those things. You know, I'm working with Alan Crowder right now and some of his striking coaches through the UFC heavyweight. Um, and I'm looking forward to sort of, sort of uh, progressing my game in the uh, mixed martial arts world and specifically with striking and then wrestling every day is going to help with the grappling aspect of things. But um, I don't think I have to be the very best striker. I just think I have to be a better wrestler than anyone that's a better striker and a better striker than anyone that's a better wrestler. And when it comes to throwing it all together and mixing it up, I just got to be the very best. And, um, you know, I, I know at the end of the day with my heart, my drive, and the way that I work and I never quit, I, I'm going to be a guy that they're going to have to knock out cold because I'm not going to stop. You'll never see me break, that's for sure. So I, I'm going to really, really look forward to that, um, learn how to protect my chin so that never comes, and then I'm going to walk people down for three five-minute rounds, five five-minute rounds, and I'm going to make them quit when it comes time to do it. Well, I cannot wait to see everything you accomplish in all three aspects of your career. But what other than combat sports, do you have a sport that you could maybe pinpoint that would have been, you know, your sport if you weren't in combat? Um, you know, I have a high respect and um, a high appreciation for anybody that, um, you know, reaches the pinnacle of whatever it may be, you know, bowling, chess. Um, pike ball, baseball, basketball, football, whatever it may be. I appreciate greatness. Um, academics, I mean, anything. Spelling bee champions. I honestly, you know, I have a high respect for the people that are at the top of their field and that perfect their craft and excel, um, you know, that are perfectionists and take a similar approach to what they're passionate about as what I do. Um, so I'm not sure there's a certain sport. I played a lot of baseball growing up. I still have a lot of love for baseball. You know, even tomorrow I'm trying to get my teammates together so I can play some wiffle ball. Um, so quite possibly that. But, you know, at the end of the day, like I said, I, I appreciate and respect greatness in all aspects of life. And, um, you know, I'm going to try to align and associate myself with the people that are at the top of those fields so that I can be, you know, as well-rounded and the best at all aspects of life that I, that I possibly can be. Now you mentioned baseball. Did you have a favorite team growing up and even now at this time? Um, in the AL, I root for the Indians. In the NL, I, I root for the Pittsburgh Pirates. I was born in Wheeling, West Virginia. Um, grew up in St. Clairsville, Bellsville area for a while, and then ultimately uh, around Mansfield. So it covered some ground. At one point, the Pirates were my closest team. At another point, the Indians were the closest team. So I, I root for AL Indians, NL uh, Pittsburgh. Pirates, and that makes it the easiest way to do it right now. Um, you know, I, I had a couple cousins, um, you know, distant cousins that played in the professional uh, professional league for the Braves and the Astros and the Rangers um, and the Necros and Nippers. So, you know, those are probably my, my personal favorites just because I have a blood relation to them. But, um, yeah, when it comes to teams, it's, it's the Pirates and Indians all day. I'm a Yankees fan on my end, so... Uh... Don't know how that makes you feel. It's always, easy to, it's always easy to be a Yankees fan. They win a lot. 
I will say I'm not a bandwagon. I have been a Yankee fan since pretty much birth and went through with that. Maybe with other sports other than, you know, football and baseball. And maybe a little bit of a bandwagon, but not in baseball. I definitely stay true to the Yankees there. What are your football and basketball teams? Football, I am diehard Jets fan. And basketball, I am a Lakers fan. Okay, so basketball maybe a little bit, but if you're rooting for the Jets, man, I got a lot of respect. They've they've had a couple couple rough years, so if you're a true fan there then too. They're on the come up though. I like a lot of the moves they're making, and I think they uh, have strong potential. And you know, it's not easy to be a Laker fan the last couple of years. I picked the worst time to be a Laker fan. First team I ever watched was the Lakers. Went with them, and that was about the worst time because that was when they were the kind of mid to end Kobe years where he was kind of struggling and needed some help and obviously it kind of been a long struggle since then but things are on the come up right now with them as well no doubt no doubt yeah there's some exciting futures uh for all three of those four teams really do you have a uh, football or basketball team that you root for yeah you know it's, it's not as simple in the in the game of football because the Browns and the Steelers uh share a division so I align, you know, where where my first love came for, and I'm a Steelers fan. Um, but I do respect the moves the Browns are making to, to be a serious contender. I kind of, you know, like to root for the underdog, and they've been bad so long. It wouldn't hurt me to see them win, even though they're in the same division. But I would definitely say I'm a Steelers fan. Um, and then the sport of basketball, I'm a, I'm a Cleveland Cavaliers fan, no doubt, through and through. And then, you know, Blue Jackets and Penguins for hockey, too, which makes it a little easier. I just had a... Uh comedian Chris Rochon who's a huge hockey fan the other day and uh, we were talking about the Stanley Cup and everything did you get a chance to catch any of that yeah I got to catch you know hockey is a sport that I love to watch live I really enjoy watching it but to be honest I was never um, around it growing up and I don't entirely understand it I get the the video game um, out every once in a while maybe once a year and I'll play it for a little bit um, it's about the only video game I play, and I, I do enjoy even playing it, but I don't understand what's going on the majority of time. I just sit back and kind of really, really enjoy watching it, though. Well, now I'm thankful that I don't have to pretend to be a huge hockey fan because I have no clue what the hell's going on most of the time, but it's fun to watch what's happening. <laughs> and I hear that. That's how I feel. My girlfriend, I'll take her to a game down here at the Canes, and she's like, well, what does that mean? I'm like, dude, I got no idea. Be quiet. I'm just trying to watch <laughs> and learn. I've gone to a couple, you know, semi-professional hockey games, and then even then, you know, it's a little more basic, but still have no clue what's going on. But every now and then the fans start standing up and cheering, and that's when I feel like I'm supposed to stand up. No doubt, no doubt. So I do want to talk about a little bit before I go into uh, a couple final questions about your partnership with, I believe, Adidas? Yep. So how did that yep, come yeah, about? I, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, how did that come about? Um, you know, I had been a huge wrestling shoot fanatic for most of my life. It was one of the things that really got me interested in the sport. And I grew up in the MTV cribs, you know, uh, houses, cars, shoes era of pro athletes. And I always really, really enjoyed seeing the different ways people express themselves through their clothing and through their houses and their cars and jewelry. Um, so I began collecting wrestling shoes because, you know, nobody had really done that. And it was a way to show some character in a sport that is widely blue collar and widely boring, you know, be brutally honest. So I began collecting wrestling shoes and started to get known in the wrestling community for having a really good wrestling shoe collection. 
Um, my junior year of college, I think I wore 27 different pairs or something throughout the season. And a couple of eyes started taking notice. And people asked me to help give my feedback on a couple shoes and design ideas. And then when I graduated, um, Adidas and Nike both reached out. We'd like to provide some of your footwear if you continue to compete. Um, in order for you to represent our brand, a lot of people pay attention to what kind of shoes you wear, even though you're not maybe one of the premier guys in the country at this point. And I was obviously thrilled and um, really, really excited and ultimately decided to, to go with Adidas because um, the products they were putting out and the opportunity they offered me. So I'm very, very grateful for that. I'm thankful for that. And, you know, I'm, I'm really, really glad to be part of the Adidas family and get the have a wrestling shoe uh, provider. Very, very cool. So one of question I seem to always ask my guests is, in the end, and you did touch on this a little bit, what is the ultimate legacy you want to leave? Yeah, it's just kind of like I said, you know, I want people to be able to look at me and say, you know, just because you're born with, uh, you know, Crohn's disease or if you're a tall, skinny kid, um, you know, maybe you weren't the most popular in high school. You didn't win any of the senior superlatives or homecoming king or prom king or anything like that. Um, you know, you weren't the most athletic, the most weren't the most gifted, maybe not the smartest naturally. But if you work at anything and you keep your mind to it and you pursue what you're passionate about, you do all the small things right and they add up, you can, you can achieve some really great things. And at the end of the day, um, Jacob Casper was someone that impacted lives inspire people to be the very best versions of themselves and to pursue what they felt passionate about. And at the end of the day, he's the greatest combat sport athlete and the greatest professional wrestler we've ever seen uh, walk the face of the earth. And he's somebody that his parents are proud of, that his brothers are proud to call brothers. His teammates were always proud to be his teammate. His coaches were proud of who he became as an athlete and person under them. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, someone that is, his children are proud that they're his father and they can say that he was always there for him. Um, somebody that when I walk into a room, people listen to what I have to say. Um, and that, you know, at the end of the day, I just have no regrets. That's ultimately the legacy that I want to live. I want to wholeheartedly and um, exhaustively pursue every avenue of opportunity that this world presents me with. And I want to, at the end of the day, not have any questions when, you know, they're laying me down in, in my grave. I want to know at the end of the day that I got the most out of every drop of talent that God put in me. And that um, at the end of the day, I live life on my terms. And that, you know, I, I, like I said, ultimately got to be the person that I wanted to be and stay true to who I was. That was an absolutely phenomenal answer. Well, Jacob, before I close out, I want to give you an opportunity to promote your social medias for the ambitious listeners. So my, so my social media is real, real simple. Um, everything's at Jacob A. Casper. My middle name's Andrew, so I just use the middle initial. So it's J-A-C-O-B-A-K-A-S-P-E-R. Well, ladies and gentlemen, listening to this podcast, watch out for this young man. He's going to be an absolute superstar in whether it be UFC, MMA, WWE, an indie circuit place, or the Olympics, or whatever the hell he does, because he's an absolutely polarizing figure. And Jacob, I cannot thank you enough for coming on the show. It was so great to talk to you. I know last time when I was writing for my former company I used to work for, and we got an opportunity to talk a little bit, but this was a lot of fun. I got to go more in depth with a lot of questions, learn a lot more about you and what your goals are. And I cannot thank you enough for coming on the show. It was so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. You know, I, I would uh, reiterate the same sentiments. It was a great opportunity. I'm really glad you, you allowed me the opportunity to kind of 
express who I am and what I'm about. And uh, I look forward to maybe doing it again in the future after I've achieved some of those things we talked about. Well, thank you once again, Jacob, for coming on the show.